pressure that you're sniffing round to take. Education and experience and 
environment have ill prepared us. We must become bigger than we have been, more courageous, greater in spirit, larger in outlook. We must become members of a new race, overcoming petty prejudice, owing our ultimate allegiance not to nations, but to our fellow men within the human community.
Joyful exaltations to those who liberate themselves 
Welcome to Woman Wednesdays. I'm your host, Mariama Tanay. I'm so grateful to be here this evening, and I'm so humbled by the fact that you are. This week's topic, the theme that we're going to be going into, the name of it is The Secret is for the Seeker. Who, what, why, and how. I've said that over the course of the seven or eight months I've been doing this podcast, that the secret is for the seeker. So I thought it was time that I really broke that down because it's important. In Webster's Revised Unabridged Dictionary, a seeker is one who seeks that which is used in seeking or searching. Okay? One who seeks. It's important. We're going to start off tonight with the praise up and find the biblical foundation for this topic off by referencing the Bible in 2 Chronicles 14.7. Therefore he said unto Judah, let us build these cities and make them about walls and towers, gates and bars, while the land is yet before us. Because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. Daniel 9.3 And I set my faith unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth. And ashes. Psalms 34 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Ezra 7 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Second Chronicles thirty one twenty one, and in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, and in the law, and in the commandments, to seek his God, he did it with all his heart, and prospered. Second Chronicles seventeen three, and the Lord was with Josephat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam. Matthew 2.1 Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod, the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Those wise men were seekers. The different seekers that are mentioned in the Bible are Asa, Daniel, David, Ezra, Hezekiah, Josephat, Josiah, the Magi, and Uzziah. It's important 
to look beneath the veil, to at least try to find the veil. (laughs) We have to look up and inside, up inside. From the Nag Hammadi, the Gospel of Thomas, second verse, Jesus said, those who seek should not stop seeking until they find. When they find, they will be disturbed. When they are disturbed, they will marvel and will reign over all. And after they have reigned, they will rest. Overstand. I got to say that again. Jesus said in the Gospel of Thomas, those who seek should not stop seeking until they find. Plain and simple. When they find, they will be disturbed. You're going to get annoyed, upset, tated, bewildered, puzzled, grief-stricken. Okay? And when they are disturbed, they will marvel. You will marvel because of the overstanding that takes place, the dimensional aspect of perspective that is put into your mind. And you'll marvel at the glory of God and the grace bestowed upon you for having persistence, getting out the truth in whatever it may be that interests you. And will reign over all. That's the part I like. And will reign over all. And after they have reigned, they will rest. Okay? So it's time to seek. And to figure out what it is you need to be figuring out. (laughs) For your own personal perspective. For your own personal life. For your own personal journey. There are things you're supposed to know. There are signs you're not paying attention to. There's a path laid out. You've got to figure out where it's at and, and, and how to walk it and who to walk with you. And when to turn left or right. And you have to have the mental stamina and the wherewithal to go to the next level in it. We're going to take a music moment and come back with tonight's theme. The secret is for the seeker. Who, what, why, and how.
Everything you do, for it comes back to you, no cause, no desire. 
Good over evil, okay? And you got to follow the rules. And so the seeker is one who seeks that which is used in seeking or searching, to seek out, to demand, inquire properly, emphasizing the seeker and the personally desired by the seeker, to seek carefully, easily put off by, because by the personal need of the seeker, a disputer, someone who identifies together and seek properly, a joint seeker, referring to who delved into philosophical and religious matters. We have to be awake and aware, especially in these times. And we're not going to find a lot of these answers, you know, outside of ourselves. We have to inquire, to ask for, to solicit, to beseech. We have to try to acquire, to gain, to strive after, to aim at. We have to seek our own life. Try to reach, come, go, resort to to make search or inquiry, to endeavor to make discovery. Now, these are some of the questions. One that is a spiritual seeker may want to ask themselves along the journey. 
Do I seek social approval? Where does my happiness come from? What do I seek in my prayers? Do I feel the divine in others? See, that's important because that helps you along the journey. Do I feel the divine in others? How conscious am I when I eat? Are you just putting food in your mouth or are you inside of yourself aware of what you're doing implicitly? Do I contribute unconditional love in the life of others? How often do I lose my temper? That's a good question. How often do you lose your temper? How much power do daily circumstances have over me? Can you compartmentalize and still make it happen? You have to seek within yourself and find that inner fortitude. Do what it do no matter what's going on. Right? How do I want to be remembered? That's a good question. How do you want to be remembered? How deeply are you connected with your heart? What is your deepest fear? Are you connected to the nature around you in any kind of way? Have you accepted your body as it is? Have you forgiven yourself and others unconditionally? What does love mean to you? What is your deepest intention? Do you listen to your soul attentively? Do you cry or laugh easily? How hard is it for you to unblock love? See, sometimes we just block it out, you know? Does it stay blocked forever? And ever, ever? (laughs) And can you open your heart back up? What is your inspiration? Inspires you. Those things are so important. They're imperative. They're main topics. What inspires you? And the biggest question of them all, who am I? Who are you? Really? Besides your house, your car, your clothes, your hair, your jewels, your family, who are you? Right? So those are 21 questions for a spiritual seeker. Now, who is the seeker? Who is a seeker? A seeker is someone 
who makes honest and sincere efforts on a daily basis to grow spiritually. They have an intense desire for spiritual growth, and they strive to improve their spiritual practice, both quantitatively and qualitatively, on a regular basis. It's important that a seeker's efforts toward spiritual toward toward spiritual growth conform to the Most High's will. Now, the difference between a, a non-seeker and a seeker is that spiritual introversion or focus on God is needed to be a true seeker of God. Spiritual introversion gradually leads to a reduction of the identification with the five senses, mind and intellect, right? Because you're going with what is spiritually sound within the most high's presence within you. There's an internal dialogue. And that's what's guiding. Right? You don't claim your temple. This is the temple for the most high, right? That's your body. So that's what leads it. Non-seekers, on the other hand, work to enhance identification with the five senses, mind and intellect. So that's the non-seeker and the seeker. So the non-seeker wants to grow materially, and the seeker's aim is to grow spiritually. Because remember, in the Gospel of Thomas, was what um, Jesus said, you will prosper. You're going to prosper. By seeking after the most high within you and letting that rain, letting that rain manifestations in your life. And so the seeker has the internal journey and the non-seeker has the external journey, right? The non-seeker has the personality defects like attachment, pride, anger, etc., And the seeker develops divine qualities like spiritual love, introversion, spiritual emotion towards God, right? The seeker feels that God is the doer, and the non-seeker feels that I am the doer. You have to meditate, pray, get in touch with your inner voice, and figure out what's going on that you can seek out what your path is. You know, you have to remove your personality defects. You have to remove, you know, trying to perform each and every, um, you know, thing that comes across your path as opposed to just paying attention to what's right to do. Being more choosy. Right? looking into things a little bit more before you attach yourself to it. Ask more questions. You know? And so how to develop seekership is, you know, these are some steps that you could take 
you can increase the quantity and quality of spiritual practice, you know, praying, meditating, make it a, make it a time frame, whether it's right before you wake up or right before you go to bed, or if you have the luxury of telecommuting or something like that, taking a moment within your day, an hour, you know, if you can, 20 minutes, a half an hour, just to get centered with self on a regular basis, just quiet time. Put it on your phone as a reminder. So just take a moment and get centered. And then if you can sustain that for longer periods of time or incorporating more than one period of time per day, you know, you can observe qualities in others that you wish to have and emulate them. That's the best compliment in the world. Because those those feelings of of you know of um, standing, um, enjoying, those are all clues of what you should be doing, and where the Most High wants you to go. And spiritual growth is likely to be rapid if one inculcates the qualities of a spiritual seeker. And the spiritual journey also becomes smoother by developing these qualities. You know, develop an attitude of learning from situations, right? Instead of being subjective, be objective. Make a dimensional shift purposely. What am I learning from this? Where is this taking me? Who are these people and why? Who here am I supposed to meet? How about that? There's no such thing as coincidences. They're coincidences. There's no happenstance. There's circumstance. <laughs> and God sets it out. So who in this room am I supposed to connect with tonight? Whether it be business or creative or whatever. Every moment is a blessing. It's for you to find it, right? That's the seeker. And so there are many paths, right? Each of us have our own, you know, but you have to go from many to one. Right? The road is narrow. And progressing from the tangible to the intangible. You know, and it has to be according to your own personal spiritual level and spiritual capacity. Not everyone has the same spiritual capacity, and that, and that's okay. We all have different paths. And offering to the most high your talent and your capacity that's really important. Offer your talent or capacity to the Most High and see what it do. <laughs> right? Increase your level of spiritual practice regularly on a daily basis. Like I said before, just get in tune. And spirituality is to be experienced. 
soul awakened aware comes from. That's where the seeking comes from. Where is God in this moment? Because the devil's all around us. There's so much fear and wickedness and subterfuge going on right now that we can't even bother to look out. It'll just, you know, dissipate the hope. So you have to look inside to find that. And then you gain spiritual experiences from spiritual practice. You'll see how it all works together. And then to do the spiritual practice without, with expectation and without expectation. With both. You can't be over-righteous. You can't be over-wicked. You got to just let it flow and look for the most high and see for it to present itself and see if you can recognize it. And learn to listen to that voice inside. You know, I remember one time, you know, I was driving. This is like maybe 25 years ago. And I was, um, back then I lived in Brooklyn, New York, and something told me to turn down the street. I didn't listen to myself, and I turned down another way instead, and I got into an accident. Somebody ran through a stop sign. They were supposed to stop, and they didn't, and they hit my car. All I kept thinking was, you know, that first mind told me to make a left on Franklin. And ever since then, I paid attention. You got to let that voice reign. It's there for a reason. You know, and so... You have to be able to overstand at a fast pace. You can't have a slow mind. You can't get used to that. You can't let that set in. You know, so truth seekers are always considerate of what they hear. You know? They're considerate because they're looking for the light of God's truth in it. And not someone's or anyone's understanding or interpretation of the truth. Right? You're just listening for of God's truth and whatever's happening. Things have to be logical and they have to be provable. You know, and so truth seekers are always working to grow and learn more. You know, you have to, it it has to be a daily journey to seek a balance of love and truth. And truth seekers are more concerned with being real than being right. Because in the realness of the moment is when everything becomes clear. And a truth seeker is willing to trust God with their endeavors, whether they are rewarded or not. Whether they're rewarded or not. Because you're looking for 
the guidepost within the scenario. You offered your gift and your capacity to the Most High. So now it's up to the Most High to work it the way they want to work it. And all will be revealed in due time. And so now we're going to stop right there and I'm going to continue with part two next week. And I hope you take time out and concentrate on yourself, on your heartbeat, your blood flow. Get inside your body and out of your head and see what it really feels like to be you and what the Most High has words to say and how they sound and start to recognize the voice. And we'll continue next week with part two. Right now we'll take a music moment, and this is Tenorio Jr., Nebulosa. Keeping doctrinate the youth. We hear you speak of hope and change, then you leave no proof. 
society There is no other that could claim a notoriety With all your chemical concoctions of variety What you really seek is for my people to go quietly But what they're really getting ill from is your mind control It has diminished our intelligence and numbed our souls Manipulation of the masses is your only goal You may have succeeded but the difference is now we know Yes, we are one people. And we have to discover the destiny within the most high. We're going to move forward into the going gnosis, your news infused with consciousness. We're going to start off with the father mogul, LeVar Ball, who just blew up Nike, Under Armour, and Adidas. He sold $2.5 million of sneakers in four hours. Now, his son's Um, Well, LeVar Ball is an African-American entrepreneur, right, and is on the verge of becoming a sneaker mogul. Yesterday he did what many businesses thought was unthinkable. Last week, Adidas, Nike, and Under Armour all refused to give LeVar's son, who was top pick, Lonzo Ball, a sneaker deal. All of them. Because LeVar insisted that any deal would have to be a partnership with the family's big baller brand. That's what I'm talking about right there. We have to be courageous and stand flat-footed in it. He said, y'all not going to make all the money off of me like Nike just got paid off of these Jordans forever and ever and ever and ever. Right? Just for his name. He said, it's going to be a partnership. So when the news dropped, you know, ESPN, everybody was talking bad. I mean, Mike Dicker came out and was, showed his racism, and it was just disgusting. And so the Ball family decided to take things independent. So yesterday, LeVar announced that he would begin selling the new BBB sneakers for $495 a pair. The price sounded high at the time, but the sneakerheads ate it up. 
And after less than four hours, LaVar sold close to 5,000 pairs of sneakers. That's more than $2.5 million in sales in just a few hours. So he showed them all. You know, there's so many black-owned brands of, like, toothbrushes and, and clothing detergent. I see it on Instagram all the time. And, you know, sneakers with the African logo, with the red, yellow, and green, with all kinds. People, you know, it's just a simple connection with somebody in China, one of these little, you know, <laughs> companies. Or start your own company. But these people, are, they've learned the hustle. The dream is free, but the hustle sold separately. They went and made their own sneakers. Made a good quality. These boys, they haven't even been drafted yet. They're just top pick. He has like two sons. One is right now is the top pick. Sitting on 2.5. That's a beautiful thing. God bless the family to stick into their decision and hold it on their own. Because the wind was hot. Every channel, every newspaper was talking about this man and his family and his decision. And so next on UKRooters.com, the U.S. will lose jobs if it quits the Paris Climate UN deal. This is what's been said overseas. The United States will shoot itself in the foot if it quits the Paris Climate Accord because China, India, and Europe will snap up the best power sector jobs in the future. U.N. Environment Chief Eric Solomon said this on Thursday. U.S. President Donald Trump is expected to announce as early as next week whether he will take the United States out of the climate pact, having vowed during his campaign to cancel the Paris Climate Agreement within 100 days of becoming president. And so, you know, there's a green revolution going on. Even Warren Buffett now is like buying up solar power companies and things like that and divesting out of regular utilities and they're building turbines all over the place you know the solar and the wind is real and so and then the green revolution is being led by iconic firms like google walmart microsoft apple and facebook so the momentum does not depend on washington so even worse even if the worst were to happen and the united states were to withdraw the consequences they feel would be much less than people think, you know, but we have to pay attention to that and still get the skill set up in those sectors, you know, because that's where the future is going to be. That's not going to be as automated. Hopefully it will still take, you know, some man know-how in those fields. And so in the BBC news, you know, um, I'm saying that, you know, victims are being jailed. Why are crime victims being jailed? This is happening in New Orleans in large numbers. You know, Mitchell was at work when the police came to arrest him last April at New Orleans Hotel, where he was a houseman. They handcuffed him in front of the customers and staff and took him to jail. The officers couldn't tell him why there was a warrant with his name on it, only that the Orleans Parish District Attorney wanted him to be picked up. He didn't find out until the sheriff's deputy at the jail read his booking sheet, and raised eyebrows at what she saw. She was like, what are you doing? And he didn't understand what she was saying. She told me, they got you down here as a snitch. So Mr. Mitchell was a victim, not a suspect. His booking sheet showed that he'd been arrested on a material witness warrant. This is what they're doing in New Orleans. So pay attention to the other states that are listening. 
It's called a material witness warrant, a controversial tool being used to detain witnesses and victims who prosecutors fear won't show up to trial. But they're just using, but they're just using this like on a broad spectrum. It's not like, you know, every now and then. So Mr. Mitchell and his cousin, were at, you know, they were at a public basketball a public basketball court when they got into a dispute with somebody else, a gang leader, and um, somebody ordered somebody to kill them both, and they walked in the park moments later, and 28 shots were fired. You know, this guy was hit in his chest and leg, Mr. Mitchell, suffered a collapsed lung and was hospitalized for a month. His cousin was hit in the neck and nearly bled to death, you know, and they were both willingly going to testify in the trial against the gunman. And this man had to go through, after, after all of that and surviving all of that, he had to go through being arrested at his job. <laughs> to be just to make sure he'll be there for the court date. That's what they're doing. This is like the Gestapo. It says sporadic use of the warrants caused little controversy until 9-11. See, that 9-11 thing, when they took away all the freedoms and everything, this is what happened. When the law enforcement seized on them as a means to detain terror suspects without probable cause. You know, at least 70 men were held as material witnesses in the aftermath, right? A third of them were in prison for more than two months and some more than six months. And one witness detainee spent more than a year in prison just as a witness. They're putting witnesses in jail. This is crazy. So it says judges grant these warrants largely on the basis of the DA's word only. Just the DA's word. And so the Orleans Parish in New Orleans, which sits within the most incarcerating city in the most incarcerating state in America, is one of these jurisdictions where this is widely used. And the DA's office there says it does not keep records of when the request of a material witness warrant. <laughs> they don't even keep records. They just go in and like the Gestapo and, okay, well, this happened to you, whatever. We got to hold you in jail until the court date. You know? So you really have to stay connected with people in this world, like lawyers and people in the legal field. You have to network out here. There's maybe knowing somebody can help you. In your time of need, you never know. <laughs> These are really strange times. And so now this is for the parents out there. Um, an Edgewood Middle School student in, in um, Trenton, Ohio, was handed a 10-day suspension for liking a picture of a gun on Instagram. With the caption ready. So if your child was at home on Instagram and likes some kind of picture, there's some kind of watchdog at the school perusing these children's Instagrams and, you know, Snapchats and whatever. To your child about the settings so that everything's private, just only their friends could see and it's not, everything is not public because they'll get in trouble in school now for liking something. And so the reason for the for the suspension is as follows. Liking a post on social media that indicated potential school violence. Potential. So they're doing behavior modification, understand that. 
at home when they're not in school. You can't even like something that goes against what the school system stands for. And this not only happened in Ohio, this also happened in California. A California student was suspended for liking a racist post. Now you say, oh, it's racist, you know, the other one's a gun. It shouldn't matter. They're not in school. It has nothing to do with schoolwork and education. That's behavior modification. You know, you need to get into those documentaries. You know, there's a lot of documentaries about how the school system was formed and the basis for it. You know, one is called, um, I believe, The Century of Self. You know, and then and then you can understand about the human resources. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, this is behavior. I mean, a California school district suspended a high school student after racist images that included a noose drawn around the necks of black students and a coach appeared on his on his social media site. So this child has a has a um, federal lawsuit saying that the district went too far. You know, and again, this was liking a post on their Instagram account. So again, the lesson here is to sit with your child, whether they want you to know their password or not, and like they have to change those settings so that everything is private and only for their friends to see. You just can't type in their name and see what they're putting on Instagram or whatever. Because they will get in trouble at school and you'll be drawn into a meeting having to explain your parenting or act angry at your child in front of them because you're drawn into this meeting. (laughs) And that's crazy. And so on um, in Utah, the Utah Supreme Court rules that police can ask for ID and run background checks on car passengers. So if this happened in Utah... Expect this kind of energy to spread. Well, let's pray against it. How about that? Let's pray that it stops and doesn't spread. But you got to pay attention when it happens. So the Utah Supreme Court has ruled that it is not a burden <laughs> for police to ask for identification. That's so funny. It's not a burden for the police to ask for identification and run background check on you in a traffic stop, even if you're not the driver of the car. Okay. In a ruling handed down this week, the state's top court overturned a a 2014 lower court ruling stemming from a traffic stop where a passenger was arrested on drug possession. So the ruling states that you, that Utah highway police, um, can now, you know, get everybody's information that's in the car. You know? This 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 just feels like apartheid, right? Back in the eighties and nineties, where's your papers? You can't go past this point without papers. Everybody in the car has to have papers, has to have their ID and show everything. And so President Trump just fired the FBI director Comey and this is really, really weird. You know, this man was just investigating him. So he actually fired the top person of the department that's investigating him for fraud. So President Trump sent a letter to Comey on Tuesday that read, Dear Director Comey, 
I have received the attached letters from the Attorney General and the Deputy Attorney General of the United States recommending your your dismissal as Director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. I have accepted the recommendation, and you are hereby terminated. Short and sweet. So the bombshell news just came hours after the FBI sent a letter to Congress on Tuesday saying Comey misspoke when he said Hillary Clinton aide Huma Abedin had forwarded hundreds and thousands of emails to the laptop of her husband, former Rep. Anthony Weiner. The FBI said that Comey exaggerated the actual number of emails that Abedin sent to Weiner's laptop. According to Fox News, Comey was fired for mishandling of the Hillary Clinton email scandal last year. This is all a circus. It really is. So they're... I've read that this, that um, they're considering that black cowboy sheriff guy that was all voting, you know, rallying up the people at the Republican National Conference, um, Congress. He always wears the cowboy hat. I can't remember his name right now. But so we may have our first black FBI director. So we'll see. Um, this is a um, this is a Associated Press exclusive. The U.S. wants a tally of Haitian immigrants' crimes. Okay, according to the Washington Associated Press, the Trump administration is taking the unusual step, the unusual step of hunting, overstand the word that is placed there on purpose, hunting evidence of crimes committed by Haitian immigrants as it decides whether to allow them to continue participating in a humanitarian in a in a humanitarian program that has shielded tens of thousands from deportation since the earthquake destroyed much of their country. The inquiries into the community's criminal history were made in internal US citizenship and immigration services emailed obtained by the Associated Press. They show the agency's newly appointed policy chief also wants to know how many of the roughly 50,000 Haitians enrolled in the temporary protected status program were taking advantage of public was, was taking advantage of public benefits, which they are not eligible to receive. So he, he want to know what the immigrants if they're getting welfare and food stamps and Medicaid. They're here from their country because of the earthquake, devastated over there. And now they want to hunt down evidence of crimes committed by them since they've been here and whether they're getting public benefits, which, which, which they are not eligible to receive. So the emails don't make clear if the Haitians' misdeeds will be used to determine whether they can remain in the United States. The program is intended to help people from the places beset by war or disasters. And normally the decision to extend it depends on whether the conditions of the immigrants' home country have improved enough for them to return. But the email suggests Homeland Security Secretary John Kelly, who will make the decision, is looking at other criteria. You know, so God bless the Haitians that came here because of that earthquake. You know, because they're looking into them specifically. Now, on some positive news, for those out there that do have a hustle and have wares to sell, um, you can check out festivalandevents.com. Again, festivalandevents.com. That's a website where you can find all the festivals in the entire United States. 
Um, if you're having a festival, you can find vendors. So as a vendor, you can sign up with them as well. You can find in, um, entertainers. You can plan a festival through this website as well. So that's festivalsandevents.com. You know, and so they have the biggest and the best events in the country, including a full description of the of of the event, including the times, entertainment, locations, and they have a wealth of information about U.S. festivals and events. Another place to go is fairsandfestivals.net. Again, fairsandfestivals.net. And this website, I've used it in the past um, as well. And it shows you they have articles on how to prepare for arts and craft shows, how to earn more money at small arts and craft festivals, you know, advice for new crafters and artists, you know, and um, do big arts and craft shows mean big dollars. And they also have um, a listing of the entire United States of um, events according to, you know, date, date. And you can check that out, and hopefully that will help you in building your business and building your brand and getting it out there and meeting with like-minded ones, you know, that help you along your journey. And so now we're going to take a music moment, and we're going to come back with technology. And the song I'm about to play is Honey Sweet by Josh Milan.
Yes, and that brings us to technology. Now, according to CosmoMagazine.com, okay, check out where this is located, stem cells survive 3D printing to produce growing cartilage. The Swedish printing technique opens the way to patients' own cells to repair cartilage. So the Swedish researchers have reported the 3D printing of cartilage tissues using stem cells. The cells survived the process and began to multiply and form chondrocytes or cartilage cells in a printed structure. Surgeons who examined the artificial said there appeared to be no difference from ordinary human tissue. The achievement was published in Nature Scientific Report. In Nature, 
The differentiation of stem cells into cartilage is a simple process, but it's much more complicated to accomplish in a test tube, team leader Stina Simonson of the University of Gothenburg said, said in the media release. The team used cartilage cells harvested from patients who underwent knee surgery. They were made to revert into pluripotent stem cells, stem cells that have potential to develop into many different types of cells. They're going to be building people using these 3D printing machines soon. The stem cells were encapsulated in a nanocelluloid compound and printed into a structure using a 3D bioprinter. After printing, they were treated with growth factors that caused them to differentiate correctly so they could then form cartilage tissue. We've also harvested mediums from other cells that contain the signals that stem cells use to communicate with each other, so-called conditioned medium. In lay terms, our theory is that we manage to trick the cells into thinking that they aren't alone. Mm-mm-mm. So now, so now they are printing cartilage. They are producing growing cartilage using 3D bioprinters. And um, according to sciencealert.com, again, that's sciencealert.com, this is quite disturbing. NASA wants to launch a giant magnetic field to make Mars more habitable. NASA wants to launch a giant magnetic field to make Mars more habitable. NASA scientists have proposed a bold plan that could give Mars its atmosphere back and make the red planet habitable for future generations of human colonists. By launching a giant magnetic shield into space to protect Mars from solar winds, the space agency says we could restore the red planet's atmosphere and terraform the Martian environment so that liquid water flows on the surface once again. They are trying to be God, okay? Mars seems like a cold, arid wasteland these days, but the red planet is going, is thought to have once had a thick atmosphere that could have maintained deep oceans filled with liquid water and warmer, potentially habitable climate. So scientists think that Mars lost all of this when its protective magnetic field collapsed billions of years ago and solar wind High-energy particles projected from the sun have been, had been stripping the red planet's atmosphere away ever since. So now the new simulations by NASA suggest that there could be a way, and they call it naturally. They use the word naturally in this article. There could be a way to naturally give Mars its thick atmosphere back. That's not natural. It's supposed to be what it is until the Mossad says something else. And it doesn't require nuking the red planet into submission as Elon Musk once proposed. So Elon Musk wanted to nuke the planet first and thought that it could regrow after it dies for a couple of years or something. Instead, the space agency thinks a powerful enough magnetic shield launched into space could serve as a replacement for Mars' own lost magnetosphere, giving the planet a chance to naturally restore its own atmosphere. In new findings presented by the Planetary Science Division 2050 workshop last week, NASA's Planetary Science Division Director Jim Green said launching an artificial magnetosphere into space between Mars and the Sun could shield, hypothetically shield the red planet in the extended magnetotail that trails behind the protective field. 
So, but my issue with this is that they're messing with the universe now. <laughs> it's not just like, you know, messing up stuff on this planet. Like, you can't even solve the problems that's here on Earth. What are you worried about somebody else's atmosphere for? What's the point? This dysfunctional, you know, top head that is just running in all different crazy directions at once. They better leave it alone. You know, the most I'll show them. So on TechCrunch.com, um, now this is what's happening. Made in Mars reveals the Archonaut. Instead of an astronaut, it's the Archonaut, a robot-operated factory in the sky. So they have factories up in space now. Made in Space, Inc. is known as the company behind the 3D printers on board the International Space Station. So astronauts have used the startup's AMF or additive manufacturing facility on the ISS to churn out everything from finger splint tools, sculptures, and even other printer parts. Now the company is revealing a video rendering of its larger Archonaut system, a factory in the sky operated autonomous robot. So there are no people at all in this factory. The whole factory in the sky is operated by autonomous robots. The Archonaut can produce and assemble large equipment such as satellites or even entire spacecraft. They don't even need people to build spacecraft anymore on the land. While in orbit, they're doing this in orbit. According to Made in Space CEO and President Andrew Ruff, Rush, our ambition to develop the manufacturing technologies that will usher in the era of true commercial space utilization. You want to go up there and throw up fake magnetospheres and put factories up there. Like, this is out of control. Literally, he's hoping to enable colonization of other planets with millions of people living and working in beautiful microgravity environments. The company believes, he said, manufacturing things in space lets us unlock possibilities you can't when you have to design things to survive launch. During launch, tremendous forces push down on any spacecraft, and the people within, obviously, Rush added, anytime you can pack more efficiently and save mass, it helps to make new missions possible or current missions more more cost-effective. Some of the biggest and scientific engineering challenges the company faced when developing the Arcanaut were around material choices and hardware. We had to determine which materials could be used for its own system parts as well as to be extruded by the system and assembled and used in space. You know, so company devised an ESAM extended structure additive manufacturing machine. In essence, it works like a team of glass blowing in a glass blowing studio who move around manipulating materials while they are still pliable and then assembled and sometimes fuse or bolt larger pieces together. So Rush describes it as a kind of inside out printer that doesn't have a limited build area. So it, I mean, this is, they have a factory in the sky that's making rockets and space stations. <laughs> that's what's happening on techcrunch.com. And in the Daily Mail, burn victims, the dailymail.co.uk, burn victims saved by magic skin gun, which sprays stem cells onto their wounds and enable them to grow new skin. 
new technique means patients can grow, can regrow healthy skin in as little as four days. First, a small patch of healthy skin the size of a postage stamp is removed. Stem cells are then taken out and put into solution that is sprayed onto the wound. So um, a man who's 45 with a horrific hot water burn was sprayed with 17 million cells, and within six days, new skin had formed over the whole wound, and he was discharged. So they have this over. So now U.S. doctors are using a new technique that allows patients to regrow a new layer of healthy skin as little as four days. They have a skin, a magic skin gun. A magic skin gun, okay? And so on spectrum.ieee.org, spectrum.ieee.org, they have smart contact lens detects diabetes and glaucoma, the contact lenses, okay? So while tech giant Google continues to struggle to make contact lenses for monitoring diabetes, Researchers at the Ulsan National Institute of Science and Technology in South Korea have offered up at least one part of the puzzle, better wearability. Through the use of a hybrid film made from graphene, remember I talked about graphene a couple of weeks ago, that's the magic skin that heals itself, and silver nanowires. The UNIS, the, the UNIS researchers have made contact lenses for detecting multiple biomarker, biomarkers that are clear and flexible. So different biomarkers, like, you know, um, glaucoma, you know, it'll be monitoring your eyes and your health. And um, they have a doctor, a holistic doctor. It's called the iridologist. Iridologist. I'm saying it again. Iridologist. It's a little known um, field, but they are very important. I want to go see one hopefully this year. And so what an iridologist does holistically is that they look at your eyeball, all the different veins in your eyes, just like your hands and your feet with like reflexology and acupuncture around your body. Your eyes also are connected to each organ. So if different veins are bigger or more red, those are connected to different organs in your body. So an iridologist is specialized where they could just look at your eyes under um, – you know, magnification, and they can tell you if you have liver problems, lung problems, stomach issues, uterine issues, like whatever kind of issues, they will tell you based on the vein structure within your eye. So like I've been saying repeatedly throughout these technology segments is that they are mimicking us. So now they're going to, so now they have these contact lenses that read what an iridologist is trained to do. So support your local iridologist and figure out what's happening with you health-wise. They'll tell you something's going to happen in 10 years or down the line because now, you know, this is starting to look this way. So you can um, be proactive with your health as opposed to reactive. That's the purpose of an iridologist, to be proactive and not just reactive. But you do want to react on the information that they give you and get it, you know, further checked out with, you know, blood tests and such. And so now um, at the technology review, the MIT Technology Review, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, they now have mind-reading algorithms that reconstruct what you're seeing using brain scan data. 
mind-reading algorithms that can reconstruct what you're seeing using brain scan data. Perceived images are hard to decode from MRI scans, but a new kind of neural network approach now makes it easier and more accurate. Okay? They said a new kind of neural network approach makes it more easier and more accurate. One of the most interesting goals in neuroscience is to reconstruct perceived images by analyzing brain scans. The idea is to work out what people are looking at by monitoring the activity of their visual cortex. The difficulty, of course, is finding ways to efficiently process the data from functioning magnetic resonance imaging, MRI scans, the task to map out the activity in three-dimensional voxels inside the brain to two-dimensional pixels in, in an image. That turns out to be hard. MRI scans are famously noisy and activity in one voxel is well known to be influenced by activity in other voxels. So today, Cheng Zhu at the Research Center for Brain-Inspired Intelligence in Beijing, China, and a couple of pals say that they have developed just such a technique. Their trick is to process the data using deep learning techniques that handle nonlinear cor correlations between voxels more capably. So the result is a much better way to reconstruct the way a brain perceives images. Okay, so the task was to find a way to use the MRI scans to reproduce the perceived image. In total, the teams had access to over 1,800 scans and original images. And so the results, um, in general, they reconstructed all the images and clear representations of the originals. In many cases, they are significantly more accurate than other techniques can manage. The image comparison metrics confirm this. Extensive experimental compassion com comparisons demonstrate that our approach to reconstruct visual images from fMRI measurements more accurately. So they, very, very interesting, significant impl implications. And so the ability to reconstruct brain images is an important stepping stone in the work to create better brain-machine interfaces. So that's the goal, brain-machine interfaces. Next step will include ways to analyze more complex scenes and moving images. So they want to be in our eyes. They want to look at our eyes and be able to tell what we're seeing. Can you imagine that? Chang Day and, co and company say that their approach could also be applied to other brain encoding problems. Brain encoding problems, such as audio and physical tasks. So they want to encode our brain, and they found problems. And so now they're solving the problems. Overstand. And so from here, it's only a short imaginative leap to brain scan techniques that reveal what people are thinking or dreaming. This is in technologyreview.com. And about a week ago, I, either a week or two weeks ago, I mentioned blockchain. And so um, on 33rd Square, 33rdsquare.com, um, they have a story called How Blockchain Technology Will Change Everyday Life. That is the new thing in technology that is overrunning like wildfire. Blockchain is one of the hottest topics in the world right now. However, many people are still having a hard time trying to wrap their heads around the concept of blockchain, despite the fact that it's a simple concept and shouldn't be so elusive. 
So what is so what exactly is blockchain and how does it work? Blockchain is a, is simply an operating system with hundreds of applications. With Bitcoin is one of its most pronounced applications of the technology. Now Bitcoin is a monetary format that is used by people in the tech field and it it's it's a currency. And so under the hood, blockchain is a decentralized database. It's a decentralized database or a distributed ledger that documents digital transactions. So a distributed ledger, unlike traditional databases, accountants, governments, banks, and et cetera, use a network of replicated data banks to carry out digital transactions. The ledgers and the databases are synchronized through the Internet. And anyone within the network has access. So blockchain networks can be like the Internet, visible to everyone in the world or private network with membership restrictions. So the impact of blockchain on our daily lives. Technological advancements have increased our reliance on the Internet in the last couple of years. Almost everything we do, we do it online. The fact that blockchain is the, iron, is the underlying technology behind most digital currencies in the world means that it will have a significant impact on our lives. Here, here are a few ways blockchain will affect our daily lives. So widespread use for cryptocurrency. That's what Bitcoin is called, cryptocurrency. All right, more people will embrace the use of digital currency. I just read last week, too, I believe it's a... Um, I, I think it might be Rwanda, actually. There's an African country that's going completely cashless. Understand what's happening. Completely cashless. Um, so more people will embrace the use of digital currency throughout the world and probably become a currency ultimately. The ability to transfer currency without an intermediary is attractive to many business persons. So it allows me just to send money from me to you. I don't have to use the bank in that sense. I don't have to go to Chase to send the money. I could just send the money. You see what I'm saying? So blockchain for voting. Now, this is scary to me because I read that book, New World Order, back in the early 2000s, and it talked about, there was a chapter about when a woman was running for president and everybody was voting, like, through their cell phones. And I read this back, like, in 2001 or 1998 or something like that. I'm talking about people were voting on their on their phones and was able to see the actual votes on the TV as you voted. It was it was weird. So when I saw this part, I was like, wow, that's like that book. So blockchain for voting, the subject of online voting, see, is still highly controversial. Blockchain technology can make online voting a more effective and safe method of voting in presidential and local elections. It would eliminate most of the voting challenges in the world is going through right now. Reduce online fraud. One of the major concerns people have with online transactions is fraud. Blockchain comes with unprecedented security that minimizes the possibility of a hack or anything that compromises personal data or the money being transacted. Blockchain is a decentralized system to execute a hack on blockchain you'd have to penetrate possibly millions of networks, which is practically impossible. And it also has cloud integration. So many businesses are connected to the clouds, 
Some rely completely on the cloud to perform their day-to-day activities. The same businesses are making strides toward big data investing in technologies such as Hoodoop reporting, tools which can help them sort through large amounts of unconstructed data and provide reports to managers, integrating blockchain technology to the cloud and our exploitation of big data can increase security and change the way we conduct business. So blockchain's cryptographic, open, and decentralized nature allows peer-to-peer transactions. See what I'm saying? Peer-to-peer transactions as people can trust each other in the networks. And so the need for an intermediary automatically becomes obsolete. One of the major benefits of blockchain technology is security. Um, For the instance, in the case of Bitcoin, banks and other means of transferring money online pose a high level of security threats. So, see, blockchain is coming after the banks. It says, for instance, in the case of Bitcoin, banks and other means of transferring money online poses a high level of security threats. Executing a hack in blockchain is virtually impossible. This groundbreaking technology promises to transform the Internet and the global economy as well as, I, as well as our daily lives, make no mistake about it. So blockchain, you'll be hearing a lot more about that. And um, speaking of blockchain, on futurism.com, the UN could help 80 million people each year with blockchain. So see, the UN's even on it. And so um, the UN will be using blockchain Ethereum to distribute funds from their World Food Program to more than 10,000 people in Jordan this summer. The computer network is making humanitarian giving simpler and more secure than ever. You see how they're rolling this out? So technology has the power to improve people's lives and not just by supplying flying cars to millionaires. The computer networks that brought us bitcoins are advancing in ways that will make humanitarian giving simpler and more secure. These networks are called blockchains. Okay, they are decentralized digital ledgers that allow for incomparable level of transparency and are, and are equipped with crypto, cryptography-based security, making them optimal for making and monitoring transactions. Simply, they take the middleman, banks, and make the transfer of the funds more streamlined and safe. So the United Nations chose one specific blockchain, Ethereum, to distribute funds from the World Food Program, a pilot program earlier this year, and the experiment was a success. All right, they did it in Pakistan. So now they're going to do more. And um, we're going toward cashless. And again, in um, crunch, here are 11 tech companies that want to hack your brains. (laughs) Stay alert, awake and aware ones. Neuralink. Neuralink, okay. as website implies, is developing high-bandwidth brain-machine interfaces to connect humans and computers. In other words, it's meant to connect the human race in a way that could potentially allow us to communicate with millions, billions of people instantly just by sending our thoughts. That's Neuralink. Another company is DARPA's RAM Sensor. DARPA, the Defense Department's secretive research branch, is working on a super cool brain sensor technology. The sensor provided by the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory and for use under DARPA's Restoring Active Memory Program, RAM, reads signals from the brain and stimulates neurons to combat memory loss. 
more than 270,000 military service members have had to have had to combat traumatic brain injuries since 2000, according to DARPA. And the scientists within the organization are working on implantable devices that could deliver targeted neurostimulation to help restore memory loss, including complex memories. Another company is called Kernel. Kernel. Those who've seen Black Mirror, the TV show Black Mirror, may find neuroscience startup Kernel eerily familiar. The startup is developing a prosthetic memory device. <laughs> a prosthetic memory device that can help us recall almost anything at will and make it available commercially. Started with OS Fund Brian Johnson, who put up $100 million of his own money to get it off the ground with the initial focus on medical applications. Johnson intends to broaden the scope of Kernel to increase our intelligence and give those with the implant an edge over those without. Melding woman and machine and ultimately ushering the next phase of human evolution. This is on TechCrunch. The next company is called Neurable. This Boston-based startup focuses on brain-controlled software platform for hardware or software makers to control um, AR and VR with your thoughts. So instead of using an Oculus touch controller or a voice commands, your thoughts could steer the future of user interaction with any number of devices. This has applications beyond the virtual world, such as turning your oven to the right temperature with your brain waves or thinking your lights on or off. Anyone who has watched Mr. Robot might be familiar with the last trick. So those are the 11 companies that are looking to hack your brain. So you got to take care of your brain, and you better be a seeker and figure out what it is the most high wants you to do. And stay focused on that because this world is going wild. The job will provide. We're going to take a music moment, and I'll be back with Herbnology.
living just just way. Yeah, I say do the way. Yeah, I say do the way. Yeah, I say do the way. Taking the whole world down 
And since we spoke about them creating um, contact lenses that can now read the biomarkers in your eyes, I thought I would look at herbs that better your vision. Today's modern lifestyle includes long hours engaged with electronics, computer screens, phone screens, TV screens, video games, digital readers, and even old-fashioned books. We tend to ignore the resulting eye strain because we assume nothing can be done about it. So if you have a, um, a pen and a paper, I suggest you get it ready or type it into your phone. These are some herbs you want to incorporate in your household for you and your children. One is bilberry. Bilberry. Um, I've used this off and on for several years. And so bilberry extract is um, really good for um, bruises, sprains, cardiovascular, cholesterol, hypertension. But one of the main effects is eye vision, you know. So that's good to know, Bilberry. Another one is Calendula. Calendula is most known for the properties for the skin, but it also is for eyes and vision, okay, Calendula. Another one is Chrysanthemum. Chrysanthemum, cornflowers, elderberry. Shout out to Brother David in Oregon. He has elderberry flowers. Um, yeah, elderberry is great for the eyes. And also eyebright, um, eyebright and flax, flaxseed, ginkgo bibula, which is good for the brain as well, um, but it's excellent for the eyes. Golden seal. Um, sea buckthorn oil and turmeric, which is the golden one, turmeric, and also um, witch hazel, the herb, witch hazel. So, again, that's bilberry, chrysanthemum, cornflowers, elderberry that you can get at Cross Side Cricket Farms, 
in Oregon through Brother David, Eyebright, Flaxseed, Ginkgo Bilboa, Golden Seal, Sea Buckthorn Oil, Turmeric, and Witch Hazel. Those are some herbs that can help you. And, you know, it's important also to incorporate um, grapeseed extract. It's another immune-boosting herbal solution that can improve your vision because it improves circulation. And so improved circulation means less chance of of, um, cataracts. So grapeseed extract is another one. And so, you know, look into those different herbs for your eyes and for your children's eyes and, you know, incorporate them into iced tea, juice. You could just put a couple of drops, especially in like some cran grape juice. They'll barely notice it because it's kind of sweet and tart, you know, and um, make these extracts a part of your life. We're going to take another music moment and come back with metaphysics of the moment.
Yes, that is jazz legend in the making, Brethren Kamasi Washington. It's a young brother. He is bringing jazz back. That is from his album called The Epic, and it's called Ask Him. A-S-K-I-M. Ask Him. You got to ask the Most High what it is that he wants you to do. Offer up your capacity. Now, in the metaphysics of the moment, I'm going to dwell in the Nag Hammadi. I'm going to go back to the Gospel of Thomas, where Jesus said, The seeker should not stop until he finds. When he does find, he will be disturbed. After having been disturbed, he will be astonished. Then he will reign over everything. Having reigned, he will rest. That's why I chose that song, Ask Him. You know, the way the melody goes, finding his way, then it gets disturbed, and then it comes to this crescendo, and no matter what, the beat and the melody still prevails, and then he reigns over that beat, and then it comes to a rest within yourself. That's how it goes. And once you learn to ride the wave, as my mother told me, God bless her, Once you learn to ride the wave, no matter what it is, whether it's your marriage, your own emotional capacity, your job, your creative endeavors, as long as you learn how to ride the wave and keep your feet on the board, you'll be all right. Okay, so Jesus said, if your leaders say to you, look, the kingdom is in the sky, then the birds will be there before you, before you are. If the kingdom is in the sea, and the fish will be there before you are. Rather, the kingdom is within you, and it is outside of you. When you understand yourselves, you will be understood, and you will realize that you are sons of the living Father. And if you do not know yourselves, then you exist in poverty, and you are that poverty. Jesus said, the old man will not hesitate to ask a seven-day-old baby, about the place of life, and he will live. For there are many who are first, who become last. They will become a single one. Jesus said, recognize what is right in front of you, and that which is hidden from you will be revealed to you. Nothing hidden will fail to be displayed, and there is nothing that is buried that will not be raised. Overstand. And there is nothing that is buried that will not be raised. You have to recognize what's right in front of you so that that which is hidden from you will be revealed. Nothing hidden will fail to be displayed. His disciples questioned him, should we fast? In what way should we pray? Should we give to charity? From which food should we abstain? Jesus responded, do not lie. (laughs) Do not lie. If there is something that you hate, do not do it. For everything is revealed beneath heaven. Nothing hidden will fail to be displayed. Nothing covered will remain undisclosed. Jesus said, blessed is a lion that a man eats, because that lion will become human. Cursed is a man that a lion eats, because that lion will become human. And he said, the man is like a thoughtful fisherman who threw his net into the sea 
and pulled out of it full of little fish. Among all the little fish, that thoughtful fisherman found one fine, large fish that would be beneficial to him. And throwing all the little fish back into the sea, he easily chose to keep the large one. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Jesus said, look, there was a man who came to sow seed. He filled his hand with seed and threw it about. Some fell onto the road and the birds ate them. Some fell onto the rocks and could not root and produce no grain. Some fell into the patches of thorny weeds that kept it from growing and grubs ate it. Some fell upon the good soil and grew and produced good grain. It was 60 units per measure and 120 units per measure. Jesus said, I have thrown fire on the world. Look, I watch it until it blazes. We're the fire. We're the fire. In the book of thunder, perfect mind, also in the Nag Hammadi, the thunder, perfect mind. Understand that sentence right there. The thunder, perfect mind. Your mind is the thunder. The lightning, it's the spark. Overstand. Okay, I'm just going to read a stanza. I was sent forth from the power, and I have come to those who reflect upon me, and I have been found among those who seek after me. Okay, and I have been found among those who seek after me. Look upon me, you who reflect upon me. And you hearers, hear me. You who are waiting for me, take me to yourselves. And do not banish me from your sight. And do not make your voice hate me nor your hearing. Do not be ignorant of me anywhere or anytime. Be on your guard. Do not be ignorant of me. Okay? A strong admonishment. I was sent forth from the power, and I have come to those who reflect upon me. And I have been found among those who seek after me. You have to seek for him to be near. And this is from the gospel of truth in the Nag Hammadi, the gospel of truth. Joy to those who know the Father. The gospel of truth is joy for those who have rejoiced from the Father of truth, the grace of knowing him by the power of the word, who has come from the fullness and who was in the thought and the mind of the Father. This is the one who is called the Savior, since that is the name of the work that he must do for the redemption of those who have not known the Father. For the name of the gospel is the revelation of hope of those who seek him. Okay, the hope is the discovery of those who seek him, because the realm of all thought, of all sought him, from whom it came, because the realm of all sought him, for whom it came. You see, all was inside of him, that illimitable, illimitable, inconceivable one, who was better than every thought. The next section is called, Ignorance of the Father Brings Error. This ignorance of the father brought about terror and fear. And terror became dense like a fog. That's what they're trying to do right now. 
and terror became dense like a fog, so no one was able to see. Because of this error, because of this, error became strong. That gives the error strength. Error became strong. But she worked on her material substance vainly because she did not know the truth. She assumed a fashion figure while she was preparing in power and in beauty, the substitute for truth. This, then, was not a humiliation for the illimitable, inconceivable one, for they were as nothing. This terror and this forgetfulness and this figure of falsehood whereas established truth is unchanging, unperturbed, and completely beautiful. Overstand, established truth is unchanging, unperturbed, and completely beautiful. For this reason, do not take error too seriously. (laughs) Since error had no root, she was in a fog regarding the father. She was preparing works and forgetfulness and fears in order by these means to beguile those of the middle and make them captive. The forgetfulness of error was not revealed. It did not become light light beside the father. Forgetfulness did not exist with the father, although it existed because of him. What exists in him is knowledge. Overstand. What exists in him is knowledge. That's why you have to be a seeker which was revealed so that forgetfulness might be destroyed and that the father might be known. Father was not known. If the father comes to be known, from that moment on, forgetfulness will cease to exist. And I'm going to take a moment right here because that reminds me so much of this book I read about, you know, we living on this earth and going through the different um well, not us, but the earth itself going through different changes over the millennia and how, you know, the earth was supposedly, you know, brought down three times already by fire and, 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 and water and, you know, all these different things or whatever. And so what happens is that we have all these civilizations like in Egypt and Timbuktu and Pirapuku and, you know, um, in uh, Mexico. And they're like, we don't know what this is about. But what happens is that these civilizations rise, and then there's this great forgetfulness. And so as I'm reading this, I'm remembering, you know, that book as well, because there's cycles of 26,000 years, supposedly, and then the earth changes on its axis, and then, you know, a demonstrative change happens to the earth's structure. You know, hopefully we won't be here for that, but we'll see, you know. But that's that's the theory that's been put out there. And so they refer to it in the book as the great forgetfulness. And so that's what brought it to mind right here. Because it says here, you know, if the father comes to be known, from that moment on, forgetfulness will cease to exist. So we have to make the father known in ourselves. So that the forgetfulness will cease to exist. So Jesus is the fruit of knowledge. That is the gospel of him who, who, whom they seek, which, has, which he has revealed to, to the perfect through the mercies of the Father as the hidden mystery. Jesus the anointed, through him, he enlightened those who were in darkness because of forgetfulness. He enlightened them and gave them a path, and the path is the truth that he taught them. For this reason, error was angry with him. 
So she persecuted him. She was distressed by him, and she was made powerless. He was nailed to a tree. He became a fruit of the knowledge of the Father. He did not, however, destroy them because they ate of it. He rather caused those who ate of it to be joyful because of this discovery. And as for him, he found them in himself, and they found him in themselves, that illimitable, inconceivable one, that perfect father who made all, in whom the realm of all is, in whom the realm of all lacks, since he retained in himself their perfection, which he had not given to all. The father was not jealous. What jealousy, indeed, is there between him and his members? For even if the internal being had received their perfection, they would not have been able to approach the perfection of the Father because he retained their perfection in himself, giving it to them as a way to return to him and as a knowledge unique in perfection. He is the one who set all in order and in whom all existed and whom all lacked, as one of whom some have no knowledge. He wants them to know him and love him. What did they lack, if not knowledge of the Father? Jesus as a quiet guide. Jesus became a guide, quiet and at leisure. In the middle of a school, he came and spoke the word as a teacher. Those who were wise in their own estimation came to put him to the test, but he discredited them as empty-headed people. They hated him because they really were not wise. And after all these came, all the, all the little children those who possessed the knowledge of the Father, when they became strong, they were taught the aspects of the Father's face. When they became strong, they were taught the aspects of the Father's face. They came to know, and they were known. They were glorified, and they gave glory. Understand, they were glorified, and they gave glory. Okay, the Father is calling those who have knowledge. This is the name of the section. The Father is calling those who have knowledge. Those whose names he knew first were called last. The one who has knowledge is one whose name the Father has pronounced. Overstand. So that the one who has knowledge is one whose name the Father has pronounced. The one whose name has not been spoken is ignorant. Indeed, how shall one hear if a name has not been uttered? For whoever remains ignorant until the end is a creature of forgetfulness and will perish with it. If this is not so, why have these wretchedness? Why have these wretches no name? Why have they no voice? Hence, whoever has knowledge is from above. If called, that person hears, replies, and turns toward him who called. That person ascends to him and knows how he is called. Having knowledge, that person does the will of him who is called. That person desires to please him, finds rest, and receives a certain name. Those who thus are going to have knowledge know whence they came and whether they are going. They know it is someone 
who, having become intoxicated, has turned from his drunkenness and, having come to himself, has restored what is his own. He has turned from error. He has turned many from error. He has turned many from error. He went before them to their own places from which they departed when they erred because of the depth of him who surrounds every place. Whereas there is nothing that surrounds him, it was a great wonder that they were in the Father without knowing him and that they were able to leave on their own. They were not able to contain him and know him in whom they were. For indeed his will had not come forth from him, but he revealed it as a knowledge but he revealed it as a knowledge which all it emanations agree, namely the knowledge of the living book that he revealed to the eternal being at last as his letters, displaying to them that these are not merely vowels or consonants so that one may read them and think of something void of meaning. On contrary, they are letters that convey the truth. They are pronounced only when they are known. Each letter is a perfect truth, like a perfect book. For they are letters written by the hand of the unity. Since the Father wrote them for the eternal being, that they may be beings of his letters might come to know the Father. The Father's Son is Jesus of utmost sweetness. His wisdom contemplates the word. His teaching expresses it. His knowledge has revealed it. His honor is a crown upon it. His joy agrees with it. His glory has exalted it. His image has revealed it. His rest has received it. His love has embodied it. His trust has embraced it. His trust has embraced it. His trust in the Most High. You have to embrace it. Seek within yourself first. Follow that light that you see in others. Are you able to see the divine in others? Are you able to see it in yourself? We're going to take a music moment. And this is Judy Mawat, Strength to Go Through.
This world and demand philosophy. 
Yes, that was God by Dawn Tillman. I just want to big up the music that we've listened to tonight. The vibes keep me going doing this podcast. Um, we listened to Abigail Lioness, The Rules of Life, Georgia Ann Muldrow, Never in Vain, Norio Jr., Nebulosa, Honey Sweet by Joss Milan, Rachel Claudio, being featured by, Bodhisatt- by Bodhisattva, All I'm Asking, Etsia, Ja Will Provide, K Vibes, Pull Up, Kamasi Washington, Ask Him. And so next week we're going to come back with part two and further explore the who, what, why, and how of being a seeker and understand that we have to jump up extra dimensions within perspective. You could do it. You just got to reach higher, right? Reach higher within yourself. So I will, y'all willing to be here next week. I'm going to close this evening with Tamika Moore, Every Word.
Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Upside.com, a new way to buy business travel. Upside bundles your flights and hotel together for one low price. That saves your company so much money, they're able to reward you in the form of popular gift cards every time you buy a trip. Visit Upside.com and use promo code TRIP to get at least a $100 Amazon gift card the first time you buy a trip. Save on business travel and get a gift card every time. Minimum purchase required. See Upside.com promo code TRIP for complete details.